WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. All right, we are here with Impact Exposure. i got a great show lined up for you tonight. Uh, in a little bit, we'll be speaking with folks from the MSU uh, Black Student Alliance to talk about Black History Month, which, of course, goes on all throughout February. And then later on, uh, speaking, with some, speaking with some folks from the uh, MSU Solar Car Team. Kind of interested to hear what they have to say, what they're working on. And then uh, wrapping things up with the uh, Listening Ear Crisis Hotline. Uh, some folks doing a lot of good work for the people of the area. Uh, but before I get to any of that, we're going to speak with uh, Andy and Allison here, who are here from uh, the Happen Dance. Uh, thanks so much for stopping. My guys. Thank you. for having us. So now, what, what is Happen Dance? Happen Dance is a contemporary professional dance company. It's the longest contemporary professional dance company in the mid-Michigan area. And uh, we are holding our winter concert uh, upcoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, Happen Dance has both a professional dance company, and then Happen Dance 2 is a pre-professional dance company uh, with some local high school students getting some professional experience. Um, and so... That's what we do. Cool. Now, is this a specific type of dance that you're doing? Is it? Are you trying all sorts of different things? Uh, well, we're specifically called a contemporary dance company, which when you call it contemporary, you can get away with not being specific about oh, anything. Nice. So, makes it easy. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, there's going to be a variety of styles involved. Contemporary sometimes can be called modern, mm-hmm. uh, but the term contemporary is more uh, readily used. Okay. So for folks like me who don't know the first thing about dance, what, what kind of stuff could you compare it to? Like, Just to give me a, a mental image. Well, we do actually have a guest artist from Cirque du Soleil, a oh, former wow. Cirque du Soleil performer. Um, so she will be performing a solo. Um, so if you ever have seen Cirque du Soleil, I'm sure she'll bring some of that experience um, to her solo. Very cool. So so I'm getting a kind of image of like sort of more free form, not so rigid with the, the rules about what dance is. Right, exactly. And I think what's really uh, fun about Happen Dance is I think that while we're really serious about contemporary and modern dance and a variety of other forms, I think we're really funny about it too. Oh. And so I, I think it's a really accessible company and that we can laugh at some of the more uh, serious parts of dance. So uh, I think it's very accessible <laughs> to, a, to a lay crowd. Gotcha. Yeah, first thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is like interpretive dance. Yes. Some of the more like... So <laughs> I don't want to say sillier elements, but uh, something right. gets mocked a little more often. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. There's, 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 we have plenty of fun mocking ourselves because we <laughs> certainly know it's out there. Well, so. and actually, Andy has um, choreographed a solo that is amusing. If you want to <laughs> tell a little bit about that, no, I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the whole show is uh, is called the Upside of Down, and it's all about um, it's called Rise, the Upside of Down. It's all mm-hmm. about life in Lansing, and a lot of us mm-hmm. are professionals that have chosen to make our creative lives in Lansing uh, post college, and uh, that seems to be an interesting topic to others who have not chosen that. Uh, so the whole show kind of speaks to that, and uh, the piece that I choreographed is called Just Me and My Hundred Thousand Dollar Bachelor Degree, because um, <laughs> we certainly know a lot of people that have those. Yes. And and uh, in that piece, actually, there is some mocking and some and poking fun at ourselves um, about the modern dance concept. And uh, and the show, while it is very serious uh, in some parts, because it does address a lot of the economic uh, and things going on in the city right now, uh, that piece kind of breaks it up and, and kind of makes a, makes us laugh a little bit about our circumstances. So. so how do you how do you tell us something so broad like that in the way in, in dance? Yeah, it's amazing um, to to you know dance about economics. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a piece. Called uh, foreclosure, unemployment, fear, and uncertainty. Oh, um, and then we did cherry about topics. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it's it's. Uh, I think a lot of those things we can look at the numbers and we can look at the data on it, um, but certainly it hits you in the gut emotionally, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where we come in because people can tell you a lot of figures, but there's a lot of things that um, you actually feel about those things, and it's actually people dealing with these these problems. And so sure. I think it's where dance can step in and really tell that story. So kind of get, oh, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, it's just an interesting uh, way to look at things. Um, you know, you're used to reading these statistics in the newspaper or, you know, watching these scenes on TV, but coming to a theater and seeing a live performance um, is really something to, to be said for, you know, performing arts. Certainly, yeah. It's kind of a unique spin on something I guess we're all kind of used to by this point. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, ha- kind of walk us through, how do you approach something like that? I mean, you have this this topic of, you know, economic downturn, I suppose, for, for Michigan, and then you say, I want to tell us through dance. I mean, how do you kind of plot that right. out? Right, I know. You're smiling already, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm really curious. <laughs> 
Well, actually, our, t our artistic director is uh, Missy Bischoff, and uh, she really um, works a lot with the uh, Greater Arts, Greater Lansing Arts Council, and we're coming up on the 150th anniversary of Lansing, and so we wanted to really talk about um, how do the arts play into Lansing in this anniversary, and what does it say about about that, and so you start to look at it and think, okay, well, well what what are the issues that are, are facing us, and, and how can we talk about those, and um, we approach that uh, through the beginning of the show, where we really kind of... Um, lay out what the problems are that people already know about, of course, and kind of speak to how they make us feel. And and then uh, hopefully I come in with a little bit of humor towards the end of the first part and kind of make this joke about, um, you know, here's me with my $100,000 dance degree. Now what? Boy, I wish I had a job. And, uh, and so we, we kind of laugh about that. And then uh, in the second half of the show, we really talk about hope and we really talk about the future and, and how there are so many um, signs of improvement in our area here mm -hmm. and how a lot of us are, are really making our choice to be here. Certainly, you know, any of us who are mobile can pick up and go somewhere else, and, and why do you stay, and, and what are the good things about it, too. So I think the show kind of takes you full circle going, yeah, we get it. We get it. We get mm -hmm. why why uh, uh, lots of people are fleeing, but, you know, maybe here's why we're staying. Can I end on a note of hope, I suppose. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very nice. So now what, what appeals to you, Allison, for, for being in the, in the production like this? And, what, and, and do you have a role like Andy? Um, I do. I'm a guest artist. I'm actually dancing mm. um, in one of the pieces. Um, well, my connection with Happen Dance is I grew up in Lansing and I uh, went to Happen Dance School. They have a great um, dance program there. Um, and I came back after college and really wanted to be involved in, in the dance community. So Happen Dance is a great um, you know, opportunity to do that. Um, and it's good to kind of, I don't dance professionally anymore, so it's kind of a good way to keep in the, know. <laughs> yeah. We all still live the dream on a part-time basis. <laughs> no, if, you, if you've got talent, why let it go to waste? Certainly. Absolutely. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess people can find out when they, when they come by Happen Dance. Uh, on, uh, now, the, the, the show you're mentioning is going on for two nights, is that right? Two nights. We have, uh, on Thursday night, it's actually called an open dress rehearsal. Mm. Um, people can stop by and check it out. We run the full show in its entirety at 8 p.m. This is at Dart Auditorium on LCC's campus just down Michigan Avenue. Um, we also have our full show on Friday and Saturday nights, 8 o'clock as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Saturday night, there's a neat event uh, called the Afterglow, which is called the Updo. Um, after after the uh, after the show is over, all the professional company members and a lot of our supporters um, and lots of uh, individuals and community participants will be coming in. Um, that's going to be at the Banyan Gallery in mm -hmm. Old Town on Turner Street, and uh, you can come and enjoy some. You know, people can go and enjoy wine and cheese and that sort of thing and talk to the dancers and ask those questions about, you know, I really didn't get that. What was that about? What was that about? And, you know, that's the whole that's the whole point of art is to have a whole conversation about it afterwards. It's, sure. it's what you do in the moment, but it's also all the stuff you get that makes you think uh, ongoing. So some cool events coming up. That's cool. Now, do you do you typically do that when you have a show going on? Meet the kind of the meet and greet afterwards. Is that common? Um, Missy, our artistic director, is incredibly committed to community feedback mm. and to community involvement. She's actually finishing up her MFA um, at uh, Arizona State University, one of the premier oh, wow. dance. Yeah. Um, uh, programs in the country. She's actually uh, teaching in the theater department here at MSU now, mm. um, so take your class. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but she is all of her research is all about community involvement. So she finds a way over the course of the entire development of the show to get people involved. She does an, an amazing amount of open rehearsals uh, throughout the development of the show. So some people have seen the show since August oh, wow. and given feedback. We take community surveys. They say I like this. I don't like this. I, um, you know, so it's really interesting because you can watch the entire development and progression of the show uh, and then after the show she wants to hear all that feedback and all of this has gone into her thesis mm. um, actually at ASU so she um, this is her whole premise so mm. yeah, that's a, I think that's a distinguishing factor about this show and about what Happen Dance does is because there's there's ongoing community involvement and input. That's fantastic. I guess yeah. you kind of have to develop sort of a thicker skin though when it comes to that sort of thing you know if you yeah, constantly the, hear yeah. what should change along yeah, the way. Yeah absolutely and, and actually one of my favorite parts of the show that I was in we took out um, oh. because it it, while it was a good, a good strong part, it, it just didn't flow. And people mm -hmm. said, you know, when that happened, I just lost it. You know, I just, I, I got hooked to that and couldn't move on to, you know, what was coming next. So that's the kind of thing we want to hear over time. And it, it does take some thick skin because, you, you know, people say that. Boy, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, feedback is a gift. Well, it sounds like that sort of level of, like you just mentioned community involvement. It sounds like it's a pretty unique thing, you know, mm -hmm. as far as uh, dance companies go. I mean, does that sort of set Happen Dance apart from other theater companies, or excuse me, dance companies, or... I mean, 
Um, I would say so, yes. Especially, um, you know, there are so many dance companies that try to do that. They, you know, have the talkbacks after the mm -hmm. performances or, you know, meet and greets with the artists, but they really don't implement the suggestions mm -hmm. because, you know, the choreographer is up on this pedestal. <laughs> <and> or by <laughs> that point, the show's done. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, um, but Missy really does. She, you can see the progression and you can see the input mm -hmm. that community members have given her. Um, so definitely, it really does make a difference about, mm -hmm. you know, what you, what Right, people and people think. who have come to the earlier uh, showings, they've given feedback, and then when they get to the show and see something implemented, you know, that's a lot of buy-in for, for yeah. our participants. Yeah. So we really uh, earn some fans, you know, for life that way. And after each of the performance, there is a talkback session immediately on the stage. Oh, after before, each open rehearsal. Mm -hmm, oh, before wow. we even go to the, and actually at the at the full performances this coming weekend, um, there'll be that talkback session on the stage where the dancers will sit down right where they're at and they'll say, okay, what do you want to say? And then the audience will, you know, give some some really cool questions, you mm -hmm. know, how, how, how are you a working artist, you know, in Lansing, how yeah. are you doing that, you know, some really cool things, um, you know, some real nice things people say, and, you know, <laughs> I really like that, you know, and then other people will really challenge and say, you know, I just didn't get this, and I didn't get that, hmm. and what, what are, where were you coming from, and um, it's just such a cool thing to be able to follow up what you said through performance uh, with, with some explanation, and it, sure. um, you know, it's cool when it stands on its own, but it's also cool when you can answer questions about it. So how does it how does that sort of thing get implemented then? So you're you're sitting there with with the audience and you mm -hmm. I mean are things jotted down and then later like let's go let's go talk about this the next day and we'll change this and that or is it more general? How does that work? Well, probably um, at the performance, you know, the performance is the performance. So mm -hmm. probably um, you know if someone had a suggestion Friday night, it probably wouldn't be implemented Saturday night. Sure, mm -hmm. but um, I do think that you know after the concert. The artists do sit down, talk about it. They watch the video, see how they can improve um, themselves as well as as well as the whole. And I think definitely those talkback sessions are mm -hmm. reviewed at that point. Mm -hmm. Right. Just, maybe yeah. Maybe if it doesn't impact this year's show, it, we definitely go over all of it when we look at you know what what are we looking at for next year? What are we sure. looking at to do? And we do a winter concert each year. So uh, when we look at, at how that's going to be implemented. Uh, we definitely hear those suggestions loud and clear, as painful as they might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. Like so now, this. Uh, you said Missy was the one that sort of implemented this mm -hmm. this higher level of, mm -hmm. of talk back. Mm -hmm. I mean, is this something that, that didn't exist in, in this state before she came on board? Well, I think what's unique about Missy is that she is homegrown out of Happen Dance. She was a Happen Dancer from, I think, birth. And mm. then you know, came, <laughs> she came, came out with tights That's on. <laughs> right. And she came all the way up through the system. And Diane Newman, who's the executive director of Happen Dance, instilled these qualities into Missy mm -hmm. and Diane did uh, you know has done a phenomenal she's still the executive director of course and does a phenomenal job uh, you know cultivating this grassroots community involvement and then I think it's because Missy learned that growing up that she said you know I'm going to write my entire graduate work about this and mm -hmm. then took wow. that basis um, from Happen Dance and took it all the way through undergrad and graduate school and I, I don't think if she'd been raised in um, if she hadn't been raised in this type of studio, I don't think her work would have evolved that way. Certainly, yeah. I mean, that's got to be a lot of passion in order to to sort of grow up in that environment and then continue right. your life. To, you know, right, absolutely. With and yeah. she's and uh, she's a professional that could be anywhere in the country, but you know, it's her it's her absolute dream to be here at Happen Dance. I guess you're lucky enough to have her. I know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So uh, you've got the the open dress rehearsal for Rise: The Upside of Down uh, coming up this Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, January 31st, 8 p.m. over at the Dart Auditorium at LCC, and then of course the uh, the, the real deal going mm -hmm. on uh, that weekend, Friday and Saturday, for the first and the second at 8 p.m. Also in the uh, Dart, Dart Auditorium. Auditorium. Okay, yep. cool. Again, mm -hmm. over to LCC. And then, of course, uh, Saturday following the show is the the updo, the afterglow reception mm -hmm. to benefit Happen Dance over at the uh, Banyan Gallery. And that's, I've done uh, 210 Turner Street. Does that sound right? 1210. 1210 12 Turner 10 Street. There you go, over in Old mm -hmm. Town. So uh, more info, of course, available at happendance.org or by calling 517-333-3528. Everybody, thanks so much for uh, coming by. Thank you. Thanks All right, best of luck me. with your show. So we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? 
Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime Time. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, and we're back with more Impact Exposure. We were uh, just speaking with Andy and Allison from uh, Happen Dance uh, Dance Company. Again, they've got their show coming up at the end of this month on uh, Friday and Saturday evening over at LCC. Uh, tickets and information are available through happendance.org. Switching gears now, we're talking with uh, Matt and Candace here from the MSU Black Student Alliance. Thanks, guys, for stopping by. It's good to you're be here. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now, is, this, is this your first time on the radio? Yes, it is. Oh, you're not nervous, are you? No, I am not. Oh, good. All right. That's good to hear. <laughs> well, you guys are here to talk about the uh, Black History Month kickoff. Is that right? Yes. Correct. All right, cool. Before we get to that, go ahead and uh, give us an idea of what the uh, Black Student Alliance is all about. The Black Student Alliance was created to serve as a central resource organization for all black students on the campus of Michigan State University. The mission of the Black Student Alliance is to promote, encourage, and enhance the academic, cultural, political, professional, and social progress of the black community through the central programming initiatives of the board of directors. Wow, so it's quite a hefty mission statement. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So now, how long have you guys been involved with, uh, with the Black Student Alliance? This is going on my second or third year now. Oh, okay. So for a while, then. This is my first year. Your first year. Okay. So are you uh, imparting wisdom on uh, on Matt, then, as far as what you've learned being in the Black Student Alliance? Or, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all the more benefits that are, you know, for here and then come later in the future. <laughs> Certainly. Now, well, go ahead and give us an idea about what some of the, some of the issues that the Black Student Alliance is uh, looking at this year. Well, we're looking to unify with more of the organizations on campus, the core groups initially, as far as uh, we have CREW, APASO, NASO. We're just looking to join collaborations with them, actually, for this semester. Cool. Like, like getting more involved with the other groups and everything like yes. that. Like, uh, is, this, is this other like other minority organizations? Yes. Or? It's oh, okay. the four core groups on campus. Okay. Now, you mentioned the other groups. Uh, what, what, are, what are they – what's their uh, – what do they specify in? What's their – It's basically the, the same mission statement, but towards their specific race, I want to say. Like okay. the PASA was for the Asian students. Mm-hmm. The crew was for the um, – Latino students and NASO is for the um, Native American students. So oh, okay. we all cater towards our each individual group. Excellent. Well, we all try to work together since we all work so closely and we are the minorities on campus. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so, I mean, are the things that, that you guys are looking at the same things that they're looking at or, or, or are, your, are the issues that you're facing more relevant to just the black community? I think since we all live together, it's kind of the same issues, hmm. but they are there are certain issues that maybe black people have that Latinos may not have, so sure. that's what we are here for, to okay. like gear towards our Pacific. Gotcha. And can you give us an idea about what those might be, like what's some of the things that you guys are facing that are more specific to your group or, or, or the black students on campus? Um, as Candace said, more unifying because we um, want to work with one another more mm-hmm. this year, and we're trying to through c- collaborations and um, programs this semester. So just, you know, get our name out there. Gotcha. ESA. Has there been uh, kind of a lack of that uh, cohesion over the years? Is that is that the reason that's kind of on the, the, the front burner? Absolutely. Uh, we are lacking some unity within our based society. So we're just trying to really outreach and, you know, encourage others that, you know, we are here and, you know, we're looking for your support. Sure. And I guess one great way of doing that is uh, the uh, the Black History Month kickoff coming up uh, at the end of this month. Of course. Why don't you go ahead and give us an idea about what you got going on with that? Well, Thursday, which is going to be the Black History Month Fellowship, and it's going to be 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. Okay, and then uh, where's that going on at? The Multicultural Center within the Union. Oh, okay, great. And then, uh, so what, what have you got planned for, for the event? Uh, I mean, I think there's a speakers or what? what's... Actually, what it was expect? a part one and a part two. Our oh. part one was actually this past Sunday, and Dr. Julia here came with some dynamic, yes. dynamic words. Phenomenal. Really? She was at the Union also in the ballroom. But Thursday, the uh, program is more of a kind of a fellowship. It's not very formal. We're going to have food there, give away raffle tickets. It's just going to be a... 
you know, a one-on-one with BSA. And the, cool, a little more informal there. Right. Okay, exactly. cool. So now you, you mentioned about uh, Julia's speech. Why don't you give us an idea about what she what she addressed? I mean, it sounds like it was a pretty pretty great talk. The program was actually about black leaders or leading blacks. So what she basically covered was the foundation of the African-American, the, uh, the stereotypical African-American leading our society and their wrongs and their rights. And it's versus the actual African-American leader who is also right and, you know, has a wonderful background. But you have to distinguish the two. You have to know which one you are and which category you're kind of placing yourself in. You have to be an African-American leader, of course, and not just leading the pack. Sure. So some kind of maybe like do's and don'ts exactly. about leading African-Americans. So kind of give us an idea about what, what those might be. I mean, I, I, we can always think of, of plenty of, you know, great, you know, black leaders, uh, you know, Jesse Jackson, folks like that. I mean, what, what kind of makes a great leader and what, what doesn't, basically? The communication skills would definitely make a leader who they are, because if you can't communicate well, you can't really speak to the people, and the people may not follow you as well. As far as communication goes, you also have to be confident in yourself that you know you know what you're talking about, and you have these guidelines that people can follow you and be on your path and on the same direction that you want to be. Hmm, excellent. And in addition, I would say that the most important thing that she left in my mind was that Black leaders aren't, they don't choose themselves. Black leaders are chosen by the people. So you can't call yourself a leader if exactly. nobody's following you. So <laughs> yeah. your followers have to say he's a leader because I, I look towards him for inspiration or words of wisdom. And that's when you become a black leader yourself. Yeah, I, I guess agree. Yeah, you can't, be, you can't be a good leader if there's no one listening right. to you. <laughs> who, you know, who's following you? So right, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, did she give any examples about who, who she considers to be a good black leader? Like, you know, someone, someone more contemporary? I think her major role was saying we don't have to have that major contemporary mm-hmm. black leader. We're all leaders ourselves if we can just um, not focus on what the media tells us per se and look at ourselves as a leader. Basically, that's yeah. what she was saying. Excellent. I guess and it's a very uh, very relevant topic, especially right. now. Yes. You know, we've got Barack Obama running for president. I mean, there's, exactly. you know, it's definitely a big time for, for black leaders to really step up. Yes. Uh, you know. Especially on MSU campus. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a great way to do that is through the alliance. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned, uh, you know, like the... The, the event you had last week, you know, Julie was, was talking, of course, we just talked about what, what she had addressed. And you, so now coming up, uh, you know, this week, the, the second half, basically, what, what, what kind of things are people expecting? You mentioned uh, a dinner going on. It's kind of more informal. Give us an idea about if, if someone shows up, what, could they, what would they be seeing? Well, when you come right into the Multicultural Center, you're going to be expected to smell the aroma of the wonderful food that mm. we're having. And also, there are going to be a questionnaire and answers, so we can distribute the T-shirts. So we're going to do a raffle, and we're giving away, I didn't want to say it, but surprise, we're giving away Tyler Perry tickets, who's going to be coming pretty soon. Nice. So we're just having a fun atmosphere, music, food. It's going to be lovely. That's fantastic. So just more of a kind of getting getting to know everyone who's coming there and uh, kind of get a feel for the Black Student Alliance. Right. Exactly. Now, is this uh, are, are there other folks from the other groups that you mentioned, are they going to stop by too, or is this uh, kind of get to know that the folks who are in the Black Student Alliance? Everyone's welcome. Yeah. Okay. Everyone can stop in anytime. Fantastic. So now, kind of switching gears, one one thing that I had kind of uh, been wondering about. So, for groups like yours and, and the other ones that you'd mentioned, since you know the passage of, of Prop Two, I mean, how how is that affecting the Black Student Alliance and other groups? And you mentioned kind of you want to create more harmony, but is that making things more difficult for you guys, or is it just is that really affecting you that much? As far as students on campus, I don't think everyone is being affected directly, but. The students who are, you know, trying to be admitted to the university, I think that affects them the most because we're already here now. We're pretty mm-hmm. much doing the um, normal thing of, you know, being a student on campus, but it just makes it a little harder for those students who want to be admitted to the university. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I would assume that, you know, a, a great value that your group would have would be to, you know, to show a presence and say, listen, you know, you sh- you know keep coming keep coming keep applying to MSU because we're here for you. I mean, is that is is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Yeah. Um, now, so so you wouldn't say that that you know the passage of that is is really affecting you in a day to day way, but just more in general. Is that fair to say? I think the full effects have yet to be seen because it's mm. still so early. So I think we really don't know what to expect until that really happens. Like if you say, oh, we're trying to do this, or you say, no, we can't do that because it's the law now. You can't discriminate. Mm. So I think as it's like trial and error. 
for a couple at least for the next year until it's fully worked out in court and on campus. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, uh, so the the administration hasn't said to you, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, or you need to change the wording of this or anything. They haven't really had a direct hand, or have they? Well, mm-hmm. with the Black Caucuses, they're they're trying to change the name yeah. to include yeah. everybody in the dorms, but it's already for everyone in the dorms. It's not necessarily for Black students. It was just that. Um, the way it was founded, that's why it got that name. Right. So, so the Black Caucuses, they're trying to change the name to, like, um, famous black people, you know, hmm. who gave, like, you know, the inventors and stuff like that. So that's at the most is what I'm seeing, personally. Hmm. Other than that, it's just trial and error, you know. That's good. I mean, yeah, you know, good thing that there's not a lot of, you know, pressure on you guys right now. I mean, that's that's good to hear. It's kind of nice, you know, that you're... Things are a little easier, I guess, that way. Yeah. Oh, easy. I think I just, as a student for me, it is kind of affecting me, actually, because oh, okay. I just so. have to work twice as hard, <laughs> just yeah. as, like everyone else. So, oh, you know, I have God. to be, I have to make everything a priority and, you know, set goals and make sure I'm going to accomplish every single one of them. Now, you said you said you have to work twice as hard in, in what way? Like, as far as schoolwork. I, but, I mean, I'm trying to understand, like, like um, how exactly. I mean, uh you're, is it because like you feel pressure from no, the campus just or that I have to just do well. Oh, okay. I, I don't want to be you know below average. I want to be above the average and accomplish everything. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, you, you know you're 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 promoting a big event like this. I mean, it <laughs> seems like you're doing all right for yourself so far. So <laughs> definitely want to hope you keep up the good work on that. Well, uh, the the event, of course, uh, Black History Month kickoff. Uh, is there is there something you folks are are, are focusing on specifically this this month? Uh, you know, as opposed to to other Black History Months, uh, certain themes or anything like that. Or, I mean, certain maybe certain uh, you know past uh, you know historical figures, anything in particular, or is it just uh, honoring you know <laughs> great uh, great leaders throughout history? We're trying to acknowledge the fact that every student is a leader. It's just about mm-hmm. determining what type of leader you are and what direction do you want to go into. So the theme of this will be leading blacks or leading black or black leaders leading blacks. So we're just trying to continue that path and we're just trying to acknowledge and tell students that, you know, you can be a leader. It's just a determined thing to, that you have to do as far as finding yourself and what your goals are. Next, I think that's a great message just for everybody, really. And I would say that everyone is, is a pretty much leader because someone is always watching you, waiting for you to fail or succeed. Right. So you always, if if you don't do it for yourself, do it for the people who are watching you because I know people watching me just waiting on me to fall, but right. they keep on looking. But you're still here. <laughs> right. Well, that's fantastic. So why don't you give some folks an idea about, you know, just gonna go over the, the details again, the where, the who, the what, and everything about the event you got coming up. Well, the event this Thursday is January 31st from 7 to 9. The Black History Month Fellowship is going to be in a base of the union on the lower level um right next to heritage cafe is from seven to nine as i said before mm-hmm. we're going to have food fellowship raffling off tyler perry tickets um it's going to be t-shirt giveaways it's just going to be a good time fantastic well sounds great best of luck to you guys uh, thank you you thank bet you. well we're going to take a short break again and we'll be back with more ms or excuse me with more impact exposure in just a moment you're listening to exposure on 88.9 the impact For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432 389 And now, back to Exposure. 
All right, and we're back with more Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with uh, Matt and Candace from the MSU Black Student Alliance. Of course, they've got their Black History Month kickoff coming up uh, this Thursday, January 31st, from 7 to 9 at the uh, Multicultural Room in the basement of the MSU Union. Uh, lots of great information on that available on our website. If you check out uh, impact89fm.org, uh, go over to the uh, podcast link. All, this entire show will be available on there in case you missed anything. So switching gears now, we're uh, sitting down with Nick here from the uh, Listening Ear Crisis Hotline. Uh, thanks so much for coming by. Yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me. You bet. Now, uh, go ahead and give us an idea about what the Listening Ear is about. Okay, so basically Listening Ear, it's a 24-7 crisis hotline, and it's located in 313 West Grand River. It's like in the building with gummies and stuff. Hmm. But um, basically what we do, we offer anonymous, confidential calls for anyone to call in, like if they have a crisis, anything normal, to something really serious like suicide or sexual Hmm. assault. And not only do we do that, but we also offer things like community education, and we have a sexual assault counseling program. So we have a lot of different services that we offer to not only residents of East Lansing, but actually people all over the country. Oh, wow. I mean, do you get a lot of calls from folks outside of the area? Oh, we actually do. It's pretty surprising because, I mean, we're generally only advertising around here, but we also have a website, uh, www.theear.net. And um, we actually find that a lot of people find us through the website, and they'll start calling from, like, Virginia and Washington, D.C. and California. And wow. It's always really surprising when you hear someone, yeah, I'm from California. You're like, whoa, what's going on then? <laughs> How did you find us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really surprising. Wow, that's really cool. I mean, and it's going to make you guys feel, you know, like you're really doing some good work if you're getting folks from outside the area. Oh, yeah, too. we find it's really rewarding. And, like, you know, when I first came in, it was, like, spring 06, and I had no idea what was going on. I was just thinking, you know, I'd do some sort of volunteer organization. And then when I really got in and started seeing some of the stuff going on, I figured, you know, this is really great stuff. I mean, we're really helping people sure. change their lives here. Yeah, no, I have a feeling a lot of folks have that uh, that experience, whether, whether it's an internship or just volunteering. Like, sure, you know, I'll, I'll help out here and there. And once you really get involved with something great, I mean, you really feel that kind of that sense of, you know, you're yeah, doing something good. Absolutely. You know? So now, uh, go and give us an idea. You mentioned a couple of the uh, the, the topics that you guys handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just give us a rundown of, of, of all the different things that, that people can call it for, because I'm sure there's folks who are listening who are like, oh, well, you know. They probably wouldn't handle this for me. Oh, but. yeah. There are, I mean, we do a lot of different things. And a lot of people sometimes like will hear that they're kind of shy of calling in because they're afraid that they're going to get judged or anything. But, I mean, it's completely anonymous. It's completely confidential. And we'll handle anything because um, really what we're all about is, like, we're handing calls for people who feel like they can't cope with things, whether that just be a lot of stress from an exam or maybe their house is getting foreclosed and they're really worried about that Mm -hmm. to um, dealing with the death of a loved one or maybe they were just raped. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we deal with issues of all different kinds and it doesn't matter how stupid you think it is (laughs) or, you know, how serious it is. We can pretty much handle anything. Wow. That's uh, that's saying a lot. I mean, now, do you get, do you tend to get more of the... I mean, I don't want to say that one one crisis is is, is yeah. less than another, but where where do the what, I mean, how do I ask this? <laughs> what what sort of calls do you get typically the most of? Um, I would say actually most of our calls are probably general emotional stuff hmm. uh, when people feel like they can't really handle the situation, and I mean sometimes we figure out what the situation is actually about. Sometimes we actually don't because the people want to keep that private. Sure. But um, we do get a lot of general emotional stuff, um, but we also get in a good mixture of a lot of serious issues, stuff like depression and suicide and sexual assault. Now, do you typically focus on sort of students, or is this for anybody? Um, This is actually for anybody, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, we advertise all around here, and we find actually that a lot of older people do end up calling in, although most of our volunteers are students. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And so how do you – I mean – I assume that, you know, students probably wouldn't have the most experience with, you know, sort of the later life lessons. I mean, how do you train someone on something like that? Well, that's a great question, actually. Um, What we do is we have this huge 65-hour training program, and we cover all these different topics. We start out pretty low and start with, like, our basic model of how to help people, and then we move on to different stuff like um, depression. We go to drugs. Um, pregnancy, that sort of thing. And so we cover all these different topics in the 65 hours. And in the meantime, we're also doing a small group training where you sit around and you sort of talk about these issues and learn how to handle calls like that. Hmm. So, I mean, it seems scary to people at first. I mean, I'm, oh my God, I'm going to be talking to people about suicide <laughs> and sexual assault and right. I'm going to be freaking out. But um, our training program is so comprehensive and we get so much training in that once people do take on a call, they usually feel ready. 
Excellent. Now, do you, do you tend to get folks who are sort of repeat callers? Is it generally like a one time? I need some help with this one situation. What's your what's what's the average there? I'd say it's a pretty good mixture of both. We mm-hmm. do have people who constantly do call in. We have some regulars who kind of depend on us. And then we also have people who have never heard of us before, and it's actually usually those that are most rewarding because you have no idea who they are and you have no <laughs> idea what's going on with them. Sure. But usually they're the ones with the issues that are most serious, and you really feel like you're making a difference there when you're reaching out to different people as opposed to the same people over again. Do you get a sense for sort of that improvement that you that people individual people have? I mean, do you get to see a case oh, yeah. get better and better? Definitely. There mm-hmm. are definitely times when people will call in and you'll sort of see them progress their issues, and that's really rewarding. I mean, with the one-time calls, you can just see that little bit of improvement, but when you have a person call in over and over again, then you can see them change you know, maybe their issues will get better. Maybe they'll have something else that's coming in, but you're always there to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. Now, are you typically giving advice or is this just a kind of sort of a sounding board? Um, yeah, we're not actually generally giving advice. We find our whole philosophy is actually giving them respect and empowerment where mm-hmm. we're not trying to give them advice because obviously we might be giving bad advice. They might get mad or sure. um, maybe they'll become really dependent and keep on calling over and over. So what we try to do is, yeah, kind of like what you said, is provide a sounding board for their emotions and let them process through that. Mm-hmm. And then when they're feeling capable of going on from there, then we can also move on to problem solving. But we're always letting them take the initiative. Hmm. Excellent. Now, uh, you know, of course, retaining all anonymity. Uh, can yeah. you give us an example, maybe some some examples from that, you, that you've seen or been witness to? Um. I mean, I don't want to, you know, out anything, yeah, but I'm just, kinda... you know, just because I'm sure there's a lot of great examples like you just met, like you were saying about where you see that, that change in somebody, you see that growth. Yeah. So, um, um, sometimes there's like, um, we get a lot of stuff about relationships sometimes mm-hmm. and some of those callers keep on calling back and initially they'll feel really, really depressed. Maybe they'll feel like, um, committing suicide or maybe cutting themselves, something like that. But um, as they keep on calling in and we keep talking to them, sometimes we can see them improve. They'll, you know, they'll go through those different stages of grief and then start to accept what they're going on. And then sometimes people will just call back and be like, hey, thanks a lot. Like, you really, really helped me get through oh, this wow. crisis in my life. And I think that's one of the best parts for me. Yeah, it's got to be pretty rewarding, I would imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I'm still here. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for almost two years, and yeah. I still get a kick out of it. Man, so now, you know, folks who, who may want to get involved, are you looking for uh, certain people in particular, like maybe social work students, or is this just, I mean, cause is it open to anybody? Oh, it's definitely open to anybody. I mean, I'm a physiology student. I totally don't oh, fit in wow. with the main demographic. Yeah. I mean, we find that a lot of volunteers there are psychology students who, or social work students who want to get some more experience. But we're definitely looking for diversity in our staff. And actually, right now, we're having a training program coming up in February from the oh. 14th to the 24th, and we've been having orientations, and I've actually been really impressed with the diversity. We've gotten about 50 people there from all different backgrounds and, you know, all different years, and not only just students, but mm-hmm. also older folks who are around in East Lansing and Lansing and have either heard about it or they've been even calling in sometimes, and they just want to come out and help. Sure. Wow, that's great. Now, uh, something I'm kind of curious about uh yeah, this is obviously. It sounds like it's, it would be a nonprofit organization. Is mm-hmm. that fair? Absolutely. So now, where where does your tip, your funding typically come from? Uh, we usually get funding from two areas. We get grants from City of East Lansing and In County, mm-hmm. and those are our main things. And then we also try to put in fundraisers at different events. Oh, okay, great, mm-hmm. great. So now, and then of course, all the you know, folks that, that work for listening are volunteers. Yep. Okay. It's a, it's actually the only surviving all volunteer crisis center in the United States now. Really? We're actually one of the four oldest. Uh, volunteer crisis intervention centers. Wow. In this how, how old is the listening year? Um, it was actually founded in July of 1969, so we're almost coming up on the 40th anniversary. Wow. That's going to be really exciting. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I really want to see what's going to come up on yeah, the 40th Yeah, it's just year. right around the corner. That's great. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, what, I mean, you mentioned you, you got involved, you know, a couple, almost a couple years ago. Yep. What, what got you involved in the first place? What, you know, you must have heard about it from somewhere. What sort of sparked your interest? Um, it's actually kind of funny. I was looking for a volunteer organization that I could devote some time to because in high school I used to do a lot of volunteer things. And then when I got to college initially, you know, I was kind of overwhelmed, feeling like I had too much to do. And then I was just looking in the paper at the beginning of second semester and I saw this ad in the paper and said, you know, listening year, volunteer organization. 
And I've sort of heard of it, you know, through the grapevine from a couple of friends occasionally, but I didn't really know anything about it. So I went into the orientation and, you know, heard some stuff about it and saw it. And I thought it was just really great organization. And mm -hmm. I decided to go through training and haven't looked back since. And you've been, you're still there. <laughs> yeah, still there. I'm actually a center coordinator now. I'm running a lot of different things there. Wow, so. great. So, yeah, of course, you know, the number for that, of course, we, we got to give some plugs for oh, that. Yeah. Uh, the number for that, uh, area code 517-337-1717. Yep. All right. Now, uh, you know, this is, of course, you mentioned it's 24-7. Any crisis you can imagine, you guys are, are ready and you know willing to handle it. Oh, yeah. We'll do whatever. <laughs> now, uh, I mean, just kind of getting it. I'm still trying to get an idea about all the, the sort of realm that this, this encompasses. I mean, yeah. do you have you gotten calls, uh, you know, you personally, have you heard anything uh, that's like right in the moment? Like you need to I need to help act on this right now. I yes. Mean, I mean, how, <laughs> I mean, how do you handle something like that? That's got to be stressful for you and stressful for the person on the oh, phone. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it is scary when you get some of those calls. I mean, um Sometimes you'll get a call from somebody who's just been raped or maybe they just came back from a party or something where they had a really unpleasant experience. And, you know, that's kind of scary at first. But what you'll actually find is through your fear, like you can really connect with that person on an emotional level. And that actually helps a lot when you're talking to them. I mean, it's surprising and it's kind of scary to let yourself go. Sure. But it's also one of the best ways to get through to them. And how, does, how exactly does that work? I mean, you mentioned kind of going through your own fear. What, mm -hmm. How does that work? Um, so what we work through is something called like active listening and empathy, and it's basically kind of like reflecting emotions back on them. Like if you hear someone initially crying on the phone, you might say something like, well, I wonder if you feel really devastated or terrified or something like that. And the person will hear that and will think, yeah, I really do feel terrified. And they'll mm -hmm. maybe, you know, talk about their situation or maybe how they're feeling. And it's weird because it doesn't sound like it works, but... Actually, if you do it yourself and you think about it and you start going through all these emotions, you'll find that you really feel supported by that person because, you know, they're not really offering advice or anything, but you know they're listening to you and offering that emotional support mm -hmm. and that they're really trying to listen to how you feel. Excellent. Now, uh, you mentioned, of course, you don't, you're not typically giving out advice. You're mm -hmm. just more that, that listening ear, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you, but do you connect people with, with organizations that could help them? You mentioned sexual assault, things like Absolutely. that. I mean, or is there kind of a network that you guys are involved with? Um, yeah, we're actually networked with a lot of different organizations. But um, like you said, actually, if people are looking for it, we offer information and referrals. Uh, some people just call in so we can talk to them, maybe do training for them or mm -hmm. community education. We've gone out and done lectures on suicide, depression, sexual assault. And then, um, like I was saying earlier, also we have the sexual assault counseling where we offer like medical advocacy, legal advocacy, and short-term counseling services. So that's oh, wow. even a really even more involved part of the listening year. So how, how exactly does that work? Is that also by phone? Is that something in person? Um what happens is that we're connected with Sparrow and a lot of other organizations here, mm -hmm. like the Sparrow Sexual Assault Nurse Examiners Program uh, with the police department. And, you know, they'll page us. We'll go over there and we'll offer support for the victims. Um, sometimes we'll get in so far as we will go to court and maybe be able to testify there or maybe still just offer, um, you know, support for them. And then we also have short-term counseling where people will come in, we'll set up appointments with them, and then we'll offer counseling for anywhere from, I don't know, from a couple of times if they want it to a year and over. Wow. I mean, you guys are really, uh, you got a full network there. Oh, yeah. We're really involved. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. So now, is that something that's more recent, or is that something that's always been with the listening ear? Um, actually, I think the sexual assault program has been there for quite a while, or even since it's begun. Hmm. And this is the only one of its type. This is, there's no listening ear, you know, at University of Michigan or any place. This is the one, right? Yeah, this is like the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for good reason. I mean, you guys have been around for a long time for, you know, like I said, for yeah, good reason. Yeah, we're proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, the number, for, the, the crisis number for that, uh, air code 517-337-1717. And uh, if uh, folks are interested in, in getting involved, you mentioned you have a training session coming up uh, mm -hmm. in February. Is that right? Yep, and we have orientations as well. We have actually one tomorrow at 7 o'clock at LCC. It's in the Health and Human Services Building, I believe, in room 005. And we also have one on Saturday, February 3rd at 3 o'clock, I think. And that's at the University, Universe, uh, Universal Unitarian Church. Oh, okay. It's at 855 Grove Street. So, um, yeah, we're looking for people to come out to there, fill out an application, maybe talk a little about themselves, 
and then we'll call them back and see if they want to go through training. Sounds great. I mean, and, and it sounds like it's a great organization to get involved with oh, so, yeah. for, for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, in case uh, you need any more of that information, the business line, not the crisis line, 337-1728. Of course, there's also the website, theear.net. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming by. Yeah, thanks a lot. You bet. And uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, we are back with more Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with uh, Nick from the uh, Listening Ear Crisis Hotline. Again, the number for that, uh, the Crisis Line, 337-1770, excuse me, 1717. They're open 24-7, and uh, it's completely anonymous. Any more information you may need is available at theear.net. Wrapping things up tonight, we're sitting down with uh, Zach, Dan, and Lindsay here from the MSU Solar Car Team. Thanks, guys, for uh, stopping by. No problem. You're welcome. Yeah, you bet. So now, uh, what what exactly is the Solar Car Team? Um, we are a student group team uh, run purely by students that researches, builds, and designs a solar car to be raced, and uh, in a few different races actually. So this isn't just like street legal. This is like a car that you want to be able to really get yeah. some speed. Uh, it, well, it's 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 an endurance race. It's not a speed race. Oh, okay. So you're actually the race that we have to do is actually on. Uh, public roads it's on highways so oh, wow. we will max speed is going to be 70 miles per hour but um yeah that's, yes. that's pretty good though i mean uh, you know how, how do you guys get involved in something like this well i've always been interested in solar power and mm-hmm. even though i'm not an engineering student i found the student group and i haven't left really so now your your background isn't in engineering no um i am a human resource management sophomore really so how does a human resource management uh, student get involved with a solar car team like I said, I've always liked solar power, <laughs> and um, what I do is I'm the public relations officer. Gotcha. So I handle like marketing and recruitment and uh, all those sorts of things. Very cool. So now I was reading on your guys' website that you're working on, uh, of course, the solar car, and then of course you you've got uh, you got your hands on a 1997 GM EV1. This is the car from the Who Killed the Electric Car uh, movie. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yep. So now I mean the movie led me to believe that these cars were done there was trashed and there's nothing left it was just a a a memory like is that that's obviously not the case Uh, there's a few left over Um, okay they're specifically left over to universities for research um because different types of electric car research which is actually we're doing on right now Mm -hmm. uh researching on different types of of, uh electric vehicle propulsion and uh for eventually using the solar car um, to, to use some solar cells on that to get it to go. So you're looking to, is it safe to say you're converting this to a solar electric? Is that um, right? Or yeah. Maybe not? Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Okay. Now, So now, why not? I mean, the, again, I'm, I'm thinking only what I've seen in this movie. I mean, they made the, the electric car sound like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Why not just sort of remake an electric car and, and go with that? Well, a solar car is uh, basically an electric car with solar cells on it. There's really no difference be- between the methods of charging. Oh. So it's uh, it's... It's very, very simple to tr- take a normal electric car and put solar cells on it and call it a solar car. Oh, okay. So. In fact, the EV1 was originally built or designed as a solar car. Oh, really? What was it, the Sunracer? The Sunracer, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, and, and they they didn't adopt that for, for what reason? Um, money. Money, okay. As, <laughs> as of course. Solar technology is a very expensive technology. Solar cells, actually, they're just very, very, very expensive. Mm. Um so it's something that would not be marketable at all. I see. So, but but are you guys with this particular project? Are you hoping to sort of change that, make solar a bit more approachable? Um, yes and no. Okay. Um, it's really not our deal to try and make it more approachable. Okay. It's uh, it's more of the 
people creating the solar cells and stuff like that to try and make them less expensive and more productive. I see. Um, but we're just trying to take what's out there and make the best of it. So. I see. But like us, with along with a bunch of other teams, especially like U of M, Western, MIT, um, that, who are going to be in this race with us this summer, um, our goal is to basically just um, promote solar power and to make it more marketable. I see. So now, uh, kind of go on and walk us through this this project. I mean, how, how far along are you guys in it right now? Uh, or how, how long have you been working on it? Let me put it that uh, way. We've been working on it for quite some time, uh, okay. for quite a few years. But it's uh, we've really made a lot of progress in the past few years. There was some public relations stuff, especially with the race. There, it was down for a few years. There mm-hmm. wasn't one. Um, it's normally a every two years there's a race, and oh, there okay. wasn't one for three years and stuff like that. So it was... We, we, they stopped for a little while, but we started bringing it back up, and uh, we almost have the car completed. Our projected date is March 1st to have, oh, wow. everything, to have all the major systems done on it. It's coming around the corner. Are you yeah, guys very, uh, very anxious? Yeah. You, you ready for it? Uh, what's, the, yeah. what's the status so far? <laughs> You're nodding your head over there, Lindsay. Are, how, do you, how do you feel about it so far? I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to being able to race this summer. Yeah. I think it'll be a really neat experience, considering mm-hmm. how long the race is. And- yeah. So how, yeah, that's a good question. How long, how, how, how long is this race? It's from Dallas, Texas to Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Oh, wow. So this isn't just, you know, like a, a short trip. I mean, this is, you'd like you mentioned earlier, it's an endurance race then. 2,400 miles. Wow. Over, it's over nine days too. So. Wow. It's and not... so, I mean, so, you know, of course for, for idiots like me who don't know the first thing about engineering, I mean, how, how exactly does that work with a solar car? I mean, are you, you it charges up and then it's... it well, it charges up and it's charging while it's going, as long as it's sunny out. Of okay, course. but then while it, if, if it's overcast, it's still got charges. It's, it's still got some. Well, it has a large battery pack, so it, it's able to store a lot of charge. Um, well, you'd be able to go a hundred miles off the batteries alone. Um, it's a very, very, very uh, aerodynamic car. It has very low resistances everywhere, just because the solar cells don't produce a lot of power. Hmm. Um, so you need to take away everything else. It's, very it's small. It's it, it looks different from any other car you see. Sounds like quite a challenge, though. I mean, you, like you said, with all the you know the things you have to take into account, the weight and yes. all that. I mean, uh, what? I mean, how do you approach a project like that? Is the thing I'm wondering. Um, carefully. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, there's a, a lot of design that needs to go into it. Um, most of the teams take about a year or six months or so to just design. Don't even start building anything. Wow. And uh, it's take a lot to account use a lot of composite materials because they're a lot lighter a lot stronger um everything you do is is pretty much the top-notch um brand new technology and almost everything we have to do so wow. it's a uh, it's a lot of talking to different we talk to a lot of professors about stuff and talk to a lot of other teams who have more experience than us sure so. now as far as this race goes how many you mentioned there's a lot of other schools involved how many total racers are there 30. Yeah, 30. About yeah. that. Wow. And you mentioned MIT and U of M. There's a lot of uh, a lot of competition there. A lot of heavies. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so now do you have you guys picked who who's going to be behind the driver's seat or in the driver's seat I should say uh, in this race or is that still open to, to debate? It's a it's, few people. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, it's really been like up in the air back and forth because there was a big tension where because the frame was designed before the the rule change this year, originally it would have been where the driver would have been leaned farther back in the car, but now it, the seating angle was changed so that you have to be sitting more upright. Mm. So Rather we, than almost laying down. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So we're having to build like an extension, a belly pan, which is basically just basically where in the cockpit it sits lower than the rest of the car to try mm. to make up the difference. And I mean, it goes back and forth. I'm five foot six, and I mean, it goes both ways. One minute, we're not sure if somebody my size will fit. You know, we think it might be have to be somebody that's more like five foot three. And then the next minute, it's like, oh, you have plenty of room. It's just <laughs> nothing will be for certain until we have until like, the day of. Yeah, yeah. fine tuning yeah. everything. Yeah, the regulations are really strict on a bunch of things, so it's yeah. it's basically just figuring out who can actually fit in there. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. so now, who, who puts on this this race? Then is there someone sponsoring this in particular? Or? Originally, it was sponsored by the Department of Energy. Oh. But like Dan was saying earlier, when there was a hiatus for a few years, mm-hmm. um, that was because the Department of Energy uh, pulled the funding from it. So now that it's back up, it's funded um, primarily by Toyota. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So they have a, they have an interest in the in the solar technology. Is that mm-hmm. why? Yeah. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. 
So now with the car that you guys are developing, is this something – you mentioned the races every two years or so. Mm-hmm. Is this once you've entered in this race, is it no longer – you can't enter into the next race? You have to build a whole new car? Um, not only can't you, we really would like to. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fun, huh? It would be, it'd be a nice um, to start off fresh with new designs and stuff like that because we're working with a lot of old – like I said, because we've been around for, for a few years, uh, we mm-hmm. have a lot of stuff that was designed by other people. We're not really sure well, how it was designed, but it was already made. Oh, so we I have see. to figure out how to use it. So it would be nice to start off on a fresh slate and just get everything brand new and know how everything works. And cool, like start that. from scratch, basically. Exactly. Like, even the solar cells are a few years old. And mm. I think if, if we were to build another one, then we could get a lot better technology there. I see. It's a rapidly changing field, so there's a lot newer stuff quicker yeah, like, yeah. as we go on. Yeah, I mean, technology is that way with anything, I yeah, would exactly. assume. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so now we, we kind of talked about this race and, and the, the endurance el- end of it. How long do you expect this race to go on? You mentioned 2,400 miles. About how long are you? Is are these these poor racers going to be traveling across the country? Or, or is that is that something you can even know at this point? It's uh, it's uh, every driver is going to be the maximum limit six hours of driving. Of course, we're only going to, during the day. Sure, sure. So, but um, so it's only six hours of driving per race per driver. Um, and we'll be switching out pretty often, but. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like checkpoints every day or two, yeah. Sort of yeah. Throughout like the the route of the race, I see. So it's projected to be nine days. Nine days. Wow. So, um, but it's it's a very very difficult race, obviously, because it's so long. Um, so it, the main objective is not to win the race at this point, but to finish it, mm-hmm. which is actually a huge accomplishment. Not not many teams finish the race. Wow. So it's uh to finish the race is a huge accomplishment. To win it's even more. So Yeah, it sounds like it. Wow. Well, best of luck to you guys on that. Yeah, uh, now, are there things you have to take into account, you know, non-technical things as far as the racers go? I mean, where are you going to stop and how are you going to keep going and, you know, just maintaining yourself or <laughs> we we were starting to form a budget like last spring mm-hmm. and a lot of the budget was just okay, we're going to need um, this much money in order to get down to Dallas and then to get back from Calgary and then this much money for um, living in general. Living, like spending spending on hotels right. and meals and whatever. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's a, it, there's a lot we have to take into account. Um, a lot of it we, if we just kind of forget for now or like we'll, we'll just finish the car now then we'll worry about that later but mm-hmm. it's a, there's definitely a lot we have to think about before we can go on the race i believe it sounds like a lot to keep in mind i mean yeah. technical and non-technical as well <laughs> so um now I, I have to ask is there a name for for the car the brasidius now the brasidius now where where does that name come from it was the name of a spartan general oh perfect all right well good you do your do your school proud then i suppose <laughs> exactly now was he was he known for anything in particular like endurance or anything like that or or his love of the sun perhaps <laughs> um nothing that you know, okay. i have no idea <laughs> it just sounds cool i guess yeah, it was picked yeah. by it was, like i said it was picked by someone else we were really picked sure. back at, at the beginning in like 2001 or 2002 yeah. okay yeah. that's fantastic well uh so now, kind of give us an idea too about uh, you know why why you folks get interested. I mean, you mentioned that you you just have a love of of solar energy. I mean, what what was it for you, for you guys? Well, um, I'm like Zach. I'm not in the field of engineering. I'm an elementary education major. Oh wow, you're really getting folks from all over. <laughs> yeah, I've just always had a profound love of cars, and I've also been involved with Science Olympiad and. This, I figured this would be a good outlet for both those particular interests in my life. Absolutely. And, and Dan, are you? I'm the logical engineer. <laughs> oh, you are the engineer. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh, <laughs> I'm, um, it's just something that's a really practical application to uh, my major. Uh, it's a very uh, it's an upcoming field. And mm-hmm. it's electric vehicles in general are an upcoming field. And so I, uh, it's something that's uh, get a lot of experience out of the classroom on. And mm-hmm. it's uh, fun to do. Uh, I learned a lot of fabrication stuff. Um, I've pretty much become the fabrication team leader sort of thing. So I've build most of the stuff um from anything from welding to doing basic body work like you would on any other car and stuff like that so you're the handyman of the team yeah pretty much so that's fantastic now how many folks are involved in the team altogether about a dozen and a half i'd say right now wow okay um active members just people that come come and go as they please but uh put in a taillight and then exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we got about a a dozen and a half active members fantastic and of course you've got meetings uh twice a week right yeah uh, over in the uh, the electrical engineer, or excuse me, the engineering building. Yeah, it's actually one uh, nine o'clock tonight. So. Nine o'clock tonight. So you're gonna head over there right yeah. after the, the radio <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. So uh, Tuesdays at nine and uh, Thursdays at seven thirty. Uh, now, I mean, what else? If I've left anything out, because there's a lot to talk about here, but I mean, what else would you like folks to know about the uh, the solar car team? Um, you just get a lot of experience on stuff. Um, like I said, I, I came in not knowing how to do anything 
technical like that. And mm-hmm. I learned how, um, how to use all sorts of type of machining, all sorts of fabrication. We have our own, um, not really our own, but we have a full machine shop that we work on, able to do many, many types of things. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get a lot of design experience, especially. Um, Sounds like it, that's, yeah. Uh, a lot of it is a very t- a lot of technical experience, also a lot of non-technical experience. Zach can probably tell you about more of that. About that. Um, yeah, because even if you're not an engineer, we could always use your help with, again, like publicity, marketing, recruiting, fundraising, sponsorships, all those sorts yeah. of things. Sounds like you got, I mean, a lot of a lot of opportunities for folks who aren't, I mean, you're the engineering minority yeah. here. Yeah, you know? like, there's definitely, you know, a lot of opportunities <laughs> for folks who are, <laughs> you know, who are interested in this. Uh, now, last question for you before we go, I'm just kind of curious, what do you see as the future for solar? Kind of a big question. Um, yeah, it's a very big question. Um, I think it's it's uh, something that won't be in the next few years, just because of the solar cell technology is still very very expensive. It's mm-hmm. upward, like just for our off our car, it's upwards of a few ten thousands of dollars. Wow! So it's uh, very very expensive. But as the technology is getting better, it's, the price is also decreasing, um, and it's becoming a lot more usable and sort of something like this. So I would say not in the next. Few de- not, not in the next decade or so, but definitely it's something to think about in the future. Sort of but, down the road, if yeah, you're exactly. pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, but the, more, the other thing that we're working on uh, is the electric vehicle side mm, of it. Right. And uh, that's something that I think is a very, very more practical application that mm. should be coming out very soon. Very cool. Well, uh, we are just about out of time. I want to thank you guys for stopping by and telling us all about it. And uh, best of luck, of course, in the race. All right. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah, thanks. You bet. And again, of course, the MSU Solar Car team meets every Tuesday, 9 p.m. And of course, Thursday as well at 7:30 over in the Engineering Building, Room 1234. I love that. Very easy. Uh, <laughs> lots of lots more information available at egr.msu.edu/solar. Of course, this has been uh, Impact Exposure. If you missed any of the show, we do podcast on our website at impact89fm.org. We're going to throw things over to the Progressive Torch and Twang, fantastic specialty show we have on the, on the station. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, that's going to do it for Impact Exposure. So we'll see you again next week, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact. <laughs>